Here we go. We are off into the new year, 2023. Life's interesting everywhere you go, everything you do. Nothing makes sense, and it's a great moment to declare that God's in control, ultimately. And uh, that gets tested on an everyday basis, but um, I believe... He is, I believe he has good plans for us, plans for welfare and not calamity. And um, there are things that are going on that we just have to live through, and we are living in the phenomenal moment of history. And uh, for the rest of our lives, we'll look back at these crazy, chaotic years and go, oh, my gosh. And um, you'll feel a lot better about yourself if you kept the faith through it. That's all I can say. I plan to. I made a decision early on. I was going to keep believing regardless of how things looked. And um, that has, though I've had moments of anxiety, like all of us have, man, it has really made a big difference to believe that the Lord has been wanting to deliver not just America, but the entire world from the tyranny that's going on so Sit back and uh, draw into the Lord, draw near to him, and um, you will not be disappointed as he promised. Amen. Turn with me to 2 Corinthians. I had pulled this... um, little um, booklet, devotional writings, translations, uh, which is translated into English by uh, a man named Francois, la, 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 he's French, Fenelon. And um, these, it's it's like a devotional, not like a normal one, but um, the insights and depths of this man, you know, he lived several hundred years ago. And uh, I've just been reading through it different times, and it's just really been speaking to me, a lot of wisdom, um, back to the people that would sit and truly meditate and wait on the Lord and make him their meditation. And it is difficult, is not not, to get to those places where you can truly sit, and instead of being in a rush and moving through things quickly, uh, scriptures quickly, revelations quickly, that you can let them truly ruminate in uh, your heart. And it's, it's the kind of the graphic illustration, but cows lay down and they chew the cud, you know. And what are they do, doing? They, they eat like a cow does, you know. And then they go lay down and they start burping that back up, these grass balls or hay ball or whatever else they ate, you know. And they, they chew it again. And if I'm not mistaken, I think they have four stomachs. And they keep reprocessing, reprocessing. Seven? See, there's more than I even knew about. So there's a, lot, there's a process, but it's a beautiful illustration of what we can do with the Word, with uh, passages. And sometimes just a few words 
and they'll jump off the page to you. Don't move on too quickly. Stay there. And I believe that there, should, there is always a prevailing word that's in operation in your life. And it may be the simplest phrase, especially it's really powerful when it's, when it's scripture. It doesn't always have to be. And that phrase, I've had that several times in my life. And, and it's, it's a matter of just paying attention to it. I believe it's there for you. You need to identify yours. If you've lost it, you've got to find it. And um, I was in a conversation with someone else this week, and I, as they were sharing with me and we were interacting back and forth, I said, I said, I've come to this conclusion about anything in our walk with the Lord, you must know. You must, when it comes to your healing, when it comes to your destiny, your purpose, your calling, all of those things, you must know. People cannot push on you to get you there, though we like to do that sometimes with our disciples, whatever, push, you know, put a thumb on them, you know, here, here's the way, walk in it, and, you know, grab them by the head and push them through that. Um, But You've got to know yourself. When you try to get a person to walk in something, whatever it is, waiting, believing in a healing, believing in a destiny, believing in a provision for promise, whatever it is, in the end, you can't rely on anybody else's thing, what they think. You've got to know. You've got to find this out. I believe that you can. And if you don't know in the chapter that you're in of life, what the next step is, if you don't, those kind of questions. You need to, your primary goal is to find out, to, to find out in the spirit. What, what am I waiting for? What, what is coming? What is the Lord saying is going to give me, lead me to? Once you know that, you can go through about anything. You see, it's really not the hardships of life that are hard. What is hard is being in life and not knowing what the destiny is. That's what's hard. And getting beat to death by life, mostly because you don't know what you're here for. You don't know what this is about. Once you know, once you know what battle you're in, who minds fighting? If you've got a good weapon and you've got your armor on and you're like, we're going to get to that mountain, we're going to take the hill, no soldier when he's, you know, equipped and prepared and his comrades are fighting with him, like, They never stopped dreaming about that battle when they all came together and they took the hill, right? They don't go, oh, I wish we'd have never had to have a battle. What stupid football player would would come up with, you know, I don't mind football, but geez, I don't like getting hit. You're like, oh, I think you're in the wrong, you know, profession. I don't like to have, I don't like having to get down on my knees, have somebody go hut, 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 and me tear into something ahead of me that goes, bam. But if that's their calling and their purpose and their, and, their, and their position on the team, do they mind? No, they do that for hours on end. I'm like, good grief. But it's in their blood. Can't help it. My four-year-old grandson walks around popping things with his head. He cannot help himself. You never know when you know, you're going to get a surprise attack, the front, the back, the whatever. And uh, I was telling Phyllis, I said, my brother Rob had that problem when he was about that age, always putting his head down, running full speed at somebody. And um, 
there was an old farmer that was the next door neighbor, had a beautiful farm outside of Robertsville. And, um, no children, him and his wife, and he had a dairy farm as well. And um, he kind of like, he likes kids a little bit, but not too much, you know. And we'd be around, my dad would take us there. And, you know, you have one boy and you have a boy and you have two boys and you have half a boy and you have three boys and, you know, you've got nothing, you know, just horseplay going on, you know. And so we were always in trouble for that kind of stuff. If we were around, my dad would be talking. And we were with this, this um, I think his name was Bucky, Bucky Stonehill. What a name, huh? My brother, who had a habit of this, and he was probably about four years old, so I don't know, somewhere in there, took a charge at him with his head down. And an old Bucky, tall, slender guy, he just went, bam. <laughs> Might have broke him from that right there on the spot, boom. It was over, no more, no more charging people. Brady Brothers wasn't any better when he was little. Yeah, he always had to be on guard, if you know what I mean. 2 Corinthians chapter 3. I'm reading in Fenelon this week, and I, I hit this little two-page chapter, and the name of it was True Liberty. And, uh, uh, boy, it really captured me. And, and in this book, he talks a lot about mortifying the flesh, which doesn't sound like fun, but they realize the value of being dead to the flesh and alive to the spirit. That was the goal. <laughs> and if you're alive to your flesh, you're probably going to be miserable. Our culture is like, hey, stir it up, you know? The more flesh, the more, you know. But, but Christianity, the true, the true uh, men and women uh, that, that understood and knew this and made the Lord their life, they're like, being alive to my flesh is not a good thing. And... Uh, I think it was in one of my comfort texts this week. And, you know, in case you forget, read the list in, James, in, in Galatians 5. And uh, it's like there's the nasties in that group, the works of the flesh, right? They're like, oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. But then there's a lot of other things that are mixed in with that that you're like, these are just as bad. Unforgiveness and, you know, backbiting. And, you know, it depends on the translation you have, how many, how many things are, are listed there. And if you're consumed with those things, you're not a happy person. Have you run across someone that's bitter lately, full of unforgiveness, full of complaint, whatever? You're like, a few moments with them, you're like, whew, wow, you're toxic. And uh, <laughs> believers can be very guilty of that. Give me just three minutes, ask me how I'm doing, and pretty soon I'm off on a rant about something that's bugging me. I hate when I'm in that mode, you know. And we can all be there on any given day. It, stuff happens, you know. You're, you're not quite over it yet. Something's just happened and you're really not over it. You're still you know, ranting and raving a little bit. In the name of Jesus, of course. But Fenelon would encourage his disciples, like, if you're enduring hard things and difficult things... It's, it's good. It's leading to your mortific the mortification of your flesh. It's leading to being dead to things. Um, because so much of the conflict that leaves us wounded and messed up has to do with the fact that our flesh is still so alive. Now, this teaching can be like an eat dirt and die kind of and leave very unhappy people. I have seen that. So I, I don't want to advocate that because like, that's not what this is about. 
It's about being free from that so that what? So that you can be really alive. I remember a few months back, Phyllis said, what does the word righteous mean to you? And again, we tend to go with the rules, right? A righteous person is a person that has all the rules checked off. Click, click, right? We go there. and I do anyways. It's such a tendency. You know, what is righteousness? Righteousness is doing this right, doing this right, doing this right, doing this right. You know, it's, it, it has this, has to do with this list. What actually, we need to look at it as what is righteousness? Righteousness is being completely free with no separation between you and the Lord. That's what righteousness is. He is righteousness. He is our righteousness. And we're, when we're fully in him, we are fully alive. Not fully full of rules, do's and don'ts, but we're fully alive. And so I find myself still battling these kind of things. And, and Fenelon, he made some statements that this cap, captured me. And, and he referred to reflect when you are full of yourself and you're always reflecting, guess what you see? You see yourself. And to be, for, to have that be gone, that you become, that your love, not for self, it gets transferred into loving the Lord. And making, he's the one you're consumed with and he's the one that you're all about. And that is, it is satisfying. I may read some quotes out of that, but he makes this comment about this is true liberty. And it led me on a sequence of things. And so let's start in 2 Corinthians chapter 3. I hope I said that right in the first place. And I had referred to this passage. We're actually going to look at the chapter. I'll just kind of take my time and, and not belabor this, and I'll stay on it for a while till I get through this. Before I start, let me, let me give you a target, like here's where we're going, an end-of-the-journey type of um, comment. We're going to talk about the veil being taken off and us being alive in the Spirit and what that takes when that happens. And when the veil's lifted off, you can see, you understand. I talked recently about what is a mystery. A mystery is something that you can't know by thinking and figuring it out and going to school and college. and A mystery is something that you have to understand through revelation. This whole walk is about getting revelation, supernatural revelation. If you study this without that, and I've seen those people, they're, they're, they're death on a stick. I mean, they're full of information. They may be able to give you a lot of rhetoric and a lot of scripture, but if it's not alive in the spirit, what does the law do to us? It kills, but what gives life? The Spirit. So the goal is this, and I'm thinking about this, and I'm just working through a lot of things in my mind. As I, it's just kind of my eyes are getting open. And I often ex I experience sometimes, like, the veil's not lifted. The veil's still there. Like, I'm having trouble seeing. I'm having trouble perceiving what the Lord's doing. I hate that. I hate that thing. I hate those dark times. 
And, and I, I began to meditate about something that happened in the book of Galatians, and Paul makes a horrible statement, like if we had a guest speaker that had been here several years back, comes back, and his message is, who bewitched you? We'd be like, <gasps> if they said, what happened to you people? You were alive, and now you're, my grandson will say, I'm grum- I feel grumpy today. You know, I'm grumpy. <laughs> Indeed you are. And, and so he said, you, you started out in the spirit. Why did you re-engage in that thing that brings life? And so I'm wondering in the same, in the same case, that often when the blindness has come back, we can't perceive, we can't see things, we're stuck. That we have left walking in the Spirit, and just like the Galatians left being free in the Spirit and came back under the law, that we have, we in seasons of our life, fall back under this thing where we're full of ourself, we're looking at ourself, even in the pursuit of good things. That's what's tricky about this. You may go, boy, I need to increase my faith, get my get my faith on, get my, you know, get my act together. And even in that pursuit, if you, hand, if you go after it the wrong way, you can find yourself very perplexed and full of condemnation and guilt and whatever because you're looking and compare, you're going about it the wrong way. It throws you right back into the law. I'm studying all the verses on healing. I'm studying all the things about breakthrough. I'm going after this. I'm learning that. I'm learning this. This has happened to me a bunch of times. I'm really going after something, and and all of a sudden, I'm like, wow. I just feel like death warmed over. I'm striving. I'm working hard at this, but I don't feel more alive. And and so there's, there's some things here, and I keep bumping into this, not only in myself, reflecting reflecting about your life, reflecting about decisions you made. And it's funny how the older you get, the more reflecting you do. And Fenlon even talks about that. As we grow older, we're more prone to this. I don't want to get towards these years and be more insecure with the Lord than when I started. I mean, Lord, have mercy. Like, that's backwards, right? And so I began to study it on that concept. So let's let's look at the context of this and let it build. So I'm going to jump on down to verse 2. For your very lives are our letters of recommendation, permanently engraved on our hearts, recognized and read by everybody. As a result of our ministry, you are living letters written by Christ, not with ink, but by the Spirit of the living God. So Paul's talking to them as the apostolic leader that has he's truly taught them and nurtured. He's the person He's the minister that taught them and brought them into life and truth. They're full of life. And he's speaking about it. He's like, I don't need, any, I don't need to verify who I am. I have you. I have the fruit of my labors. You as a church, you're full of life. You're living. And, uh, and, and it's like, that's all the authentication I need. I don't care who else thinks anything about me. The next town may stone me, but... You are, my, you are my testimony that we're preaching the word and the, and the Lord has used us to, to build that. So he's, he's making this like, you've not been written with, with letters, but, but with ink, not by, uh, but by the Spirit. 
of the living God, not carved onto some tablets, but on the tablets of tender hearts. So he's immediately making this comparison with the law versus the spirit. Kurt, I want to thank you again for communion. Like what you share is always so rich. Like it's been so, so good. I feel very blessed with you and whoever else does our communion services. Wow. They're like, they're the best. We carry this confidence in our hearts because of our union with Christ before God, which is a real key word right now for me. I've been researching, looking at this. Union with God, reunion with Christ. And I had that dream that I referred to last, last week. I have this dream where I'm, I don't even want to minister to people, and I start ministering, and they're very hopeless people, hard people to minister to when someone's depressed. Uh, but finally, I can impart what's in me, and they have explosions of revelation. And they, they're like, what's happening to us? And out of my mouth in this dream comes, this is the union with Christ. This is the manifestation of your union with Christ. It's, it's the manifestation of that's what it's supposed to look like, that you come alive, that you explode in our life. And that is in this chapter again. Verse 4, we carry this confidence in our hearts because of our union with Christ before God. Verse 5, yet we don't see ourselves as capable enough to do anything in our own strength for our true competence flows from God's empowering presence. Now, this is really significant for the apostle to say to them. Like, they would be raving at his teachings, just like we do. We find a good teacher, and we're all, hey, did you hear so-and-so? And, you know, here's the podcast, and here, and that's, it's fine. It's not a bad thing at all. It's, it's good. So we know what that's like. Like, man, am I getting stuff out of, from this teacher, from this church, from this ministry. That, that's great. It, it really is. And so we're fortunate, blessed, to have people we can access to that have real life and substance. They will have real bread on the table. And, and Paul would have been that, like, wow, Paul was here. You know, like, he, he, he's amazing. Right? And we we're so enriched by his ministry. And he says this about himself. I don't walk around feeling competent in myself about this. My competence flows from God's empowering presence. So with, and I'll share this with people about our church, you know, how's your church, what's your church like, you know, or, uh, how many people, whatever, you know, and, and, I'll, and then they'll start like, they don't know us well, they don't know me that well, just they've met me maybe a little bit, and, and they're like, you know, and I say I'm in the ministry, like, whoa, that's a, you know, and some people are intrigued with it, others don't care, but it, it's interesting. And they're like, they think they know what your life's like. They think they know it's hard or it's this or it's that. Like, oh, that's, that's a rough, you know, kind of grimace a little bit. Oh, a pastor. Oh, geez, you know. And, I, and when I get the, when it's the appropriate, I'll say to them, no, my church isn't, it's not like that. And one of the things that makes it so different is that we have a church that, it, that we've developed body ministry. Like, I don't have to watch over everybody because you watch over one another. Now, sometimes we get disconnected, and that's always a bad thing. But it's best when, because we, many of you can give prophetic words. You should. You look at yourself, and you should, as you're in the ministry, too. You, you, you also are able to minister life. 
And so many things get taken care of just between you. And that I don't have this mundane life as a pastor that many other, they're busy. They got to keep all the ducks in a row. They got to keep all, that's a, that's a lot of work if you approach ministry that way. Yeah, it is. If you don't know, it is. And, and we have something different. Why? Because we, we believe in this. The spirit is in all of us that we all are, are partakers and we all have gifts and callings and we, we, we work as a body. And so each member supplies something to the next member. And I always want to see that grow. I want to see more and more and more of that. I, I love that. Paul's saying that our true competence flows from God's empowering presence. He alone makes us adequate ministers who are focused on an entirely new covenant. Like he's really pushing this. This isn't like we have a great ministry and a great organization and let's build it. And I'll be the head and, you know, let's see what we can gather and build out of this. But rather, look what God has done. And I don't feel competent in myself. The only thing that's competent about that's good is when that life is flowing through me. I need that life to flow through me or I'm just another guy in a robe and sandals. Our ministry is not based on the letter of the law, but through the power of the Spirit. So we don't base this on rules. We don't base on working hard to teach you the stuff, teach you rules in that sense. We've, we've ministered life to you. The letter of the law kills, but the Spirit pours out life. So the letter kills, the Spirit pours out life. So again, let me throw this in. Caution. Be careful that you don't disengage from your life in the Spirit and turn back to... It's creeping around every corner, honestly. It's always out there. I'm not sure why all the reasons we, would, we get caught up in it, but it shows up. And I can tell you that it shows up, and I can prove that it shows up because you start comparing yourself to other people. All of a sudden, you're striving and not flowing. You don't know where you are or what your gift is. You don't know what's happening, whether you, what you can believe for. You become uncertain, and you're reflecting a lot on decisions you've made and it gets complete your your whole focus gets totally out of God leading you and being Jesus being alive in you and it gets back on what you've done how you've raised your kids what you did right what you did wrong what you did very wrong and and this dread and regret can hang on you and man you know it's like these ugly days we have where there's no sun and it's not quite freezing but almost and it's like is there anything worse in Ohio than those dreary cold damp days you know you step out it's like feels like it's 20 below it's 35 or 38 or whatever but it's just and no sun there ain't no sunshine you know that thing we start singing songs take more vitamin d3 you know I don't know but it, it affects us it really affects me like, if I don't get sunshine, I really have a hard time. I can feel totally different just because the sun's out, even if it's partial. Thank you, Jesus. Yeah. And I've noticed that more in these latter years. I'm really affected by it. We need light. That's, that's the perfect illustration. We need life. We need the Spirit. We need to stay in what got us in. We need to walk by how we started out. To be totally 
content and satisfied. Again, this is what I love about this book and Fenelon talking about his life. Man, peace and happiness had nothing to do with how big the ministry was or how many people were coming to him. Yeah? They were about, when he, he's like, here's, here's the I Ching, here's the mountaintop. When I love the Lord, my God, I love Jesus with all my heart. That's, that's where I'm headed. That's what is the total, when I truly love him. And when I love others like him, you know, in that, in that same way. When I can love, that's accomplishment. That's, I'm getting into that. I'm at peace Regardless of hardships, regardless of mundane things, those aren't that, that big of a deal. They'll help work towards mortifying my flesh, which I don't care for that much anyway. So, you know, let her go. And he found a place. He wasn't miserable. He found a place where even in enduring difficult situations, he's like, this is, this is good. It's going to work something good in me. There are things that are from the devil, and we should rebuke them, and I'm all for it. Let's go for it. The other things in life, if you aren't careful how you manage this, you start becoming very self-reflective. And you're not looking at Jesus. You're looking at yourself in a mirror. That's not that fun. Brian Simmons makes this notation on this verse 6 of chapter 3. And he says this, to illustrate this, that the law kills, but the spirit pours out life. And you've maybe heard this before, but it was, and maybe I have, but it was very refreshing. Like, oh yeah, that's a great comparison. To illustrate this, on the day when the law was given by Moses, 3,000 people were killed. But on the day, and that's uh, Exodus 32, 28. But on the day the Spirit was poured out upon Pentecost, 3,000 people received new life. So, law, 3,000 people die. The Holy Spirit comes, 3,000 people enter into new life. 3,000 you know, came to the Lord, whatever the numbers were, it doesn't matter. But it's like, there, that's, that's, that's the law versus the Spirit. So, it's big. Like, you don't want to lose sight of this. And it actually is easy. If you get distracted, you get tired, you get off track a little bit, pretty soon you're back in this. And you go, oh, I got I to gotta do better than this. And then we start the self-help stuff. Then we start working harder, striving harder at things. Even the ministry that was characterized by chiseled letters on stone tablets came with a dazzling measure of glory. So it came with glory. Though it produced death, the Israelites, and I'm in verse 7, headed towards 8, couldn't bear to gaze on the glowing face of Moses because of the radiant splendor shining from his countenance, a glory destined to fade away. It was going to fade. It was fading as they were looking at it, and it was still too bright. It was Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. Rudolph, that nose. You know. Moses, like, take her easy, man. Go stand behind a church so we can listen to you. We cannot look at you. Yet how much more radiant is his new and glorious ministry of the Spirit that shines from us? So here, this is the marker. Like, here's what it's to look like. 
I, I want this. I want more of this. When this isn't showing up, when there's not that radiance from me and from my life, then I'm living way below the standard. Sometimes it's nice to lower the bar so you can get over it, but this is a bar we don't want to lower. Here's what Christians look like in the early days. That's a glow, you know, the sound of glowing. Rudolph, when his nose went, I just watched that this Christmas sometime, you know. There was a, there was a sound, What? right, remember? I don't know, I can't imitate it, whatever. There was a sound to the glow. Radiance, you know. For if the former ministry of condemnation was ushered in with a measure of glory, how much more does the ministry that imparts righteousness far excel in glory? And glory is so amazing that it transcends suffering. In light of the glory that's coming, whatever you've suffered will be, is, be like nothing. Like, oh, I've suffered some pretty tough stuff. Uh, people have suffered some horrific things. And don't you look and go, oh, God, how could you even ever let this happen, let alone, like, it's too horrible. But that glory that is promised to us is so glorious, it will trans, uh, it'll be greater than that one. You, got, you get the price. It would transcend the suffering. It will make the suffering like it went, poof, oh, that was nothing. It has your heart not failed at some of the things, reading about, seeing things that people have suffered? Like, huh. I'm, I'm not even being dramatic about this. I, I literally experienced that this week. I saw a clip of something. I mean, it made my heart just, I, 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 it took a couple days to get over it. Just saw a little clip of something, an injustice, a horrible thing. I'm like, oh, wow. There's some bad things, horrible things that people suffer. But we have a promise. That's why we've got to stay on this message. This, we, we've got the power. We have access to the thing, the glory that's coming. We need to preach more about glory because glory is going to come and it's going to wipe out stuff. And there can be a glory on us that we've just scratched the surface at. I don't know about you. I want to go there. I love, don't you love meeting people, encountering people that are just full of life? Sometimes that's our attraction to Hollywood, but it's all fake. That's, that's all fake. It's all make-believe. That's not real. But there's a, a transcendent glory that can be on the believers that really is, is our inheritance that is a physical manifestation of life. Let's go, huh, I haven't seen that much, and I definitely haven't seen that much on me, but I have a hope that there can be more. How do I do this? I know I can't work harder. That doesn't get it. <laughs> I've proven that. I can't worry more. That does not get it. Definitely not. I cannot condemn myself more. Acting righteous about that, of course. Great righteous, you know, great exercise. Let's have a condemnation service. <laughs> 
would anybody, would you come? I mean, hopefully you wouldn't. You're like, no, pastor, that's okay. I, got, I already got that. I already got the t-shirt. I don't need it anymore. Let's feel really bad about what we are, what we've done, and how we've managed our lives. Uh, how about let's not. Let's do something different. Let's get a new revelation. Let's walk in something that causes all that to go whoosh. Verse 10, what once was glorious no longer holds any glory because of the increasingly greater glory that has replaced it. The fading ministry came with a portion of glory, but now we embrace the unfading ministry of a permanent impartation of glory. I like that thought, permanent. I've had encounters with the Lord, but they always fade away which leads me to more condemnation. Like, what's, I can't keep in that place or whatever. There's a promise of something that's more permanent than anything we've experienced so far. So then, with this amazing hope living in us, we step out in freedom and boldness to speak the truth. Verse 13, we are not like Moses, who used a veil to hide the glory to keep the Israelites from staring at him as it faded away. Their minds were closed and hardened, for even to this day that same veil comes over their minds when they hear the words of the former covenant. Again, I think we need to, it's important to look back at this subject, this revelation, this thing, the veil. You cannot convince a person who's got the veil on, the spiritual veil on, of anything spiritual. You can't. You, you can try. You can stand on your head. You can do somersaults. You can th threaten them like we've tried it all. That If the veil remains, they can't get it. They can't see because it's a mystery, and it can only be understood. It only can be embraced through revelation, the Spirit. Without the Spirit. And this was Jesus' ministry. So many things. He, his disciples are like, why are you talking riddles? He's like, well, it's so that you guys can get it. And the people that have the veil won't get it. They didn't get that, but Jesus operated in this way. He functioned in this way. The veil has not yet been lifted from them, for it is only eliminated when one is joined to the Messiah. So until now, whenever the Old Testament is being read, the same blinding comes over their hearts. But the moment one turns to the Lord with an open heart, the veil is lifted and they see. Bing! So there's the key. Are you able to do that? Can you turn to the Lord even at this very moment in your life, regardless of what your history is, can you turn to the Lord with a fully open heart towards him? Because if you can do that, there's a promise of whatever is covering your eyes to understand spiritual things. And the depth of this is inconceivable. We live in a very low level of revelation in Christianity. Even people that are doing well, there's still, still so much more. You listen to the people that have a lot of revelation, and they don't feel like they got it. They're, they're like, oh, my. The height, the depth, the width, the breadth of this is unending. It goes on and on. Heaven won't be like we arrive. Heaven will be like it really gets wild then. That's what heaven's like. 
it just goes, it goes ballistic then how different and other than that we understand. We live in this uh, such a simple low level and we enter into that realm and there's so much more and there's no one's bored because you just keep getting deeper and deeper and higher and higher, wider and wider, closer and closer to him. You turn to the Lord with an open heart, the veil is lifted and they see. Now, the Lord I'm referring to is the Holy Spirit. And uh, Brian Simmons, his note is that sometimes Lord refers to God, Jesus. Sometimes it refers to the Holy Spirit. And this time it's the Holy Spirit. Now the Lord I'm referring to is the Holy Spirit. And wherever he is Lord, there is freedom. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And freedom is not a big fat guy with a long beard riding a Harley Davidson. It just isn't. And that freedom, whatever, however, is painted to us. This isn't the freedom to have no rule. Like that kind of freedom is I'm free to do whatever I want. That's actually not the freedom that we're talking about. The freedom is the ability to do what I really want, which is to really know him and be fully like him and to walk in his ways, that is freedom, no hindrance. Wouldn't you like to be truly free? Not from rules, because even heaven has rules. There's boundaries. It has to be that way. Freedom is not the absence of those things. Freedom is the, the ability to have nothing between me and the Lord. And where the spirit of the Lord is, it brings you to real freedom, not more entanglement with the flesh, not with bad attitudes. I'm going to do what I want. That's not freedom. That's not the spirit. The spirit is truly being free and being at liberty, being empowered now to be like Jesus. How many of you know you need power to be like Jesus? You don't just choose to be like Jesus. You can try that, right? Write me a memo, send me a text about how it's working out. But when you truly enter into the Spirit, the Spirit is what causes you. And so the answer to anything you're struggling with is, I need more of Jesus, not you need more punishment. You need more of Jesus. If you've tried 10 times and you're still hitting the same wall, like, come to this conclusion, boy, I just need more of Jesus. I got to get closer. Because the failures cause you to back off, separate the condemnation, the I'm not worthy. Again, this is the self-examination starts. You analyze yourself. You're like, I've tried a bunch of times. I can't make it. I'm never gonna. I'm not gonna get an air in. I've mismanaged my life. I've made a lot of bad mistakes. Bad mistakes. We all have. It's a matter, you know. Who gets the T-shirt of making the most mistakes? I don't know. In this room, that would be, you know, an interesting competition, huh? That's just the reality. It doesn't even matter how successful a person looks. You do not know the level of mistakes they've made. I've driven by, because you know things and learn things, and think people tell you things, you know, like I'm talking about, their confessions, 
You drive by a beautiful home and property, and when you know the real story, you're like, wow, they don't have anything. I mean, I've done that. I'm like, and it's not a judgment. It's just like, I know. I know what's behind that beautiful facade of a property and a house and a, or a success. Or how, and it's like, it's not what it looks like. Verse 18, we can draw, all draw close to him with the veil removed from our faces. And with no veil, we all become like mirrors who brightly reflect the glory of the Lord Jesus. We are being transfigured into this very image as we move from one brighter level of glory to another. And this glorious transfiguration comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. Grab a hold of that. You're not stuck, not from heaven. You can enter into more glory, and it comes by what? Turning your heart fully to Jesus. How does the veil get lifted from your eyes? How do you start to see? When you turn your eyes, when you turn your heart to him, he lifts the veil. You can't lift it yourself. He takes away the blindness. I still have too much blindness in my life. I don't like this. I can't see the way I want to see. I can't perceive when I, I dullness sets in, distractions set in. I don't like this. There's, there is more, but I can't get there by more hard work and more condemnation and more beating myself up. But I, I get there by following by turning my heart to him and then just following. I had, I'll end with this today because there's a lot more to go to. I had the most phenomenal, this wasn't like a big experience, but it was. It was a very simple, like it was this moment of revelation that I had that I, I just can remember it so clearly. It was a, it was a few weeks ago, two, three weeks ago, and Phyllis and I were just, we were getting ready to go to bed, and I was in the bedroom, and I mean, I just, every moment of this little episode, I was just quiet about it. I didn't say anything to Phyllis. I was just having this, um, uh, uh, this uh, epiphany, I don't know what, like, what it was. It was so simple, but it was so powerful. And I, you'll laugh, but I'll, I'll, tell, I'll be honest, I'll tell you, I, con true confessions. Had this overwhelming sense that my work for the day, that everything about the day that I had, there was nothing unique about the day. It was just a day. But I had, but I had a different conclusion than I, well, I didn't realize how unnormal this was until I had it. And then I went, oh, what's unnormal is how I normally feel. And as I, we were just like getting, starting to take the, the sheets and the whatever off the bed so we can, you know, get on the comforter that's over the bed Phyllis has. And we were just in there and the light, you know, the light was on and, and, we're, and I have this overwhelming sense that I was at peace, that I could go to bed tonight and there was no regrets about the day. That I, I felt totally at peace to go to bed, to lay down. The work was finished of the day and it wasn't about anything in particular. That day didn't have anything different in it than the normal day. But I was at rest and peace. I went, this is, what it's, this is how I'm supposed to go to bed every night. This is what I'm, 
And, and it was so foreign to me to have that feeling. Like it was, I know it was supernatural because that's not how I feel. I can't even conjure that up. But I'm like, oh, this is, this is how peaceful I'm to be. And, um, and then it passed, but I kept remembering. And it, it's come back to me several times. I'm thinking about this. And I realize I'm full of striving and comparing and nothing's ever enough. You have, isn't that the worst, some of the worst seasons in your life where you don't even have, you don't feel peace about anything you're doing because you should be doing something else. Up here, it's going, yeah, yeah, you're doing this and you're getting that done. You're mowing the grass, but you should be over here doing this. You are taking care of this, but you should be doing that. You are at work, but you should be over here finishing this. That's a horrible thing. Every once in a while I get into that mode, I'm like, stop the train. Like, whoa, this is going to kill me. And I'm only in this comparison, this thing going on in my mind, and it's not the life of the Spirit. I, I'm allowed myself to move off of anything peaceful and truly trust the Lord with every day and moment of my life and put everything on, it'll happen when it happens. I can't save the world. I can't make everybody happy. I can't, I can't do it all. And it's not coming from anything external. It's you realize this is me. This is just my perception. And there's nobody else I can blame for it. And to come to a place where like that, that is this. That's when the glory starts, when you get peaceful. And your heart is satisfied with being in the spirit and being at peace with him. And finally, what did I do that night? I entered into his rest. It was a, I had help by the spirit to enter into this, this the, the, the Sabbath rest of the Lord. That is what it, that is what it is. And I, I, for a, I had a moment, the Lord spirit said, here, I'm going to, I'm going to let you experience what this is, should be like. It was, it was not something unattainable. It was something like by choice. And I literally since then have been choosing to go there. And it's a little bit of a whatever. It's, and the work in it is just choosing. Get out of this anxiety. Get out of this worry. Stop talking to yourself about this, that, and the other thing. Like knock it Because it's all reflection and reflecting. And it gets so full of myself and my reasoning and my explanation. And like... You just don't you just want to slap yourself sometimes? Like, stop it! But from the moment I wake up, I'm like, my goal is to get to, to, to tell Jesus as quickly as I can that I love him. It's amazing what that does. If I don't guard over this, I, I begin immediately with anxiety on what I should be doing, how, you know, how I feel, how everything's, you know, and to get to it, like, get to him. Fenelon's like, encourage, get to loving Jesus. That, that is the goal. And if I love, and I, I can stay in that place even through distractions and menial tasks and whatever. It's like, in this, you don't, ex you don't excuse yourself because you're working too much or you're this or that or the kids are noisy or this is happening. Or you go, I can experience this right now, right in the midst of what's difficult. I can, I can give my heart to him so that I'm getting radiated because I'm looking in the mirror, not at myself. 
I see Jesus. And his presence and his person is affecting me. When I gaze at him, I change. When I gaze at myself and my performance and my work and my whatever, I, I get dull, ugly, and nothing good comes from that, actually. So, level one. How did the veil come off? If you believe in Jesus, the veil was removed so your eyes could see because there are a lot of people out there that cannot see it. And you can't beat them with a bat to get them there right? It's a sovereign work of the Spirit, and anybody has access, but you can't make that happen. That's all there is to it. That's why prayer. Believe in prayer. Don't believe in your ability to persuade and influence. Believe in prayer. Get closer to Jesus. He'll change things around you. If you're involved and you're too involved, you'll just hinder the process. You'll make a mess. Yeah? Okay. So this is about getting to him and Believing again how phenomenal it is to have the veil removed from your eyes. That's a supernatural thing that the Lord promises, and what do you have to do to get it? Give him your heart. Give him your heart again today about your anxiety and wherever you are. Give him that right now. Whether you're 15 or 55 or 105, like whatever, it doesn't matter. Like it's never too late Right now is, now is now. And every time you re-up this, it changes and, ma and makes a difference. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, just thank you for bringing us back to the phenomenal transfiguration that happens when we give our hearts to you and you remove the veil so that we can see Jesus. You remove the veil so we can believe your promises. We're trying to believe promises with the veil still over our eyes. We have healings that need to happen. We have things that we really do need. But we can't see, we can't get to the place of believing because there's still too much of cloudiness and veil over our, our, our eyes. And Jesus, this needs removed. And all I do is put more condemnation on myself and on others. When I tell myself or tell someone else to do something that, and they can't see yet, Lord, I, I just believe it's a huge thing. Let's return to remove the veil from our eyes. I want to see help. I, I see help my blindness like I want to see. And I can't see because the heaviness has come down because I've got my eyes off of you. And let me renew this and give you all of my heart again right in this situation and right here in what's going on. My life choices and my circumstances, it's all so little to you, so easy for you to turn around. But it'll never change if I stay in it the way I am. So Lord, give us a grace, and I ask today in Jesus' name that the veil will lift, that our eyes will see better today and this week and in the days ahead. And if we can see, then we can believe. Thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Good word. The word's good.